Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. Uh, If you can turn in your Bibles to Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, or you can look on the screen. Uh, Just before I read, this is from the Minor Prophets, and I am very thankful to serve at a church with a senior pastor and staff that sees no part of Scripture as minor. And as you you read this, um, and as you see it read, look at all the things it speaks to us to our day that we need. Haggai chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jezozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory. How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now, be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, I will shake all the nations, and what is desired by all the nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word, and to its preaching. Amen. Let's look at Haggai chapter 2. And we're going to look at it in a little more detail. So the first thing you're going to see is that it starts out with a date. The second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Now it's very important that this starts with a date. Here's why. According to this date, it would have been October in the year 520 B.C. Yeah? Now, why is that significant, Dean Marshall? I'm glad you asked. Because this particular date would have been the last day of the celebration of the Feast 
of tabernacles for the Jewish people. Now, this is going to set up everything that follows. If that weren't there, if that date wasn't there, you wouldn't really get the significance of what's going to follow this, okay? And the, the Feast of the Tabernacles was a feast in which the Jewish people celebrated the presence of God and his provision for them during their 40 years in the wilderness following their release from captivity in Egypt. We call that the Exodus, okay? So on the minds of the people, and as they're coming to the close of this celebration, they are remembering God's presence among them and God's provision for their forefathers, right? Following the Exodus during the 40 years in the wilderness. That's fresh on their mind, okay? Now, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. So speak to Zerubbabel. Now Zerubbabel is the civic authority. Remember, he is in the line of David. And speak to Joshua, he's the high priest and, and he follows the Levitical, you know, Aaron, the, the Levitical line the priesthood there. So you have the civil authority in the line of David and you have the religious authority, okay, in the lines of the, of the high priest. And so Haggai is going to speak the word of the Lord to them and to the remnant of the people. Now you remember there were about 50,000 people that returned from the exile in Babylon. Babylon was overthrown. The Babylonian empire was overthrown by the Persians. And so now, under the rule of the Persians, they have been sent back to Jerusalem, all right? And uh, these remnant people, as they came back, were instructed to begin rebuilding the temple. The temple was essential to the life of the people because it represented God's manifest presence among them and in the center of their community. And so God needed to be in the center of their community. And, and they needed to get to work at that because everything that God wanted to do was going to happen as a result of him being in the center of their lives and of their community. And so they get started, but then they stop and they start paying attention to their own personal priorities, building their own houses, sometimes ornately, with resources they could have used to build the temple. Uh, 16 years go by. The prophet comes to them, speaks, and says, hey, you need to get back at doing this. This is what the Lord wants you to do. And the Lord speaks through the prophet. So that was all in chapter 1. Now in chapter 2, the end of chapter 1, they get started. Chapter 2 starts. It's a month after they've started. So they've only been at it a month. And guess what's happening? They're, they're, they're discouraged. They're fearful. They're, they're looking around and all there is is the rubble and, the, and, 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 and they're, you know, they're having to clear out the old stones and deal with, with what was left over from the destruction of the, of the former temple, right? And their hearts are heavy and they're, and, they're, and they're concerned. The first concern is as they have moved back into Jerusalem, 
the, the other provinces that surround them are feeling threatened that these Jewish people are establishing um, themselves there in Judah, in, 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 in Jerusalem. And they're concerned about what all these surrounding provinces are going to do, how they're going to respond. Is this going to bring the wrath of these provinces upon them because they feel threatened that the Jewish people are once again uh, rising to be a, a formidable nation or power in the area. So there's that fear. But then there's something else that's going on here. And that is, there are, as a part of this remnant, people who would have remembered the former beauty of the temple before its destruction. They would have remembered it before they went into exile. Okay? They're, they're older now. They have to be at least 70 or older, right? They're above 70 years of age. But it's likely there were some of them there. In fact, we, we know that they're there because the Lord wants to speak directly to them. Because the fear of what the surrounding provinces might think as they rebuild the temple, the center, right, of their worship and representing the presence of God, their God in their midst, and the fact that they are this remnant is looking back and thinking and lamenting what used to be. Those two things are combining to discourage the people. But the real issue here that God wants to address isn't so much the fear of the surrounding provinces and what they might do, although that's a concern. It's really the heart attitude of the people who are engaged in the rebuilding. They started they worked at it for a month, and now they've stopped. They've stopped. And, and he wants to address that because of the, the lament, because of the looking back, because of the, the saying, this is just, I mean, this isn't going to be able to look anything like it did, like Solomon's temple before it was destroyed. What are we doing here? We don't have the resources. We don't have what it takes we, we, we just, we can't bring this back to its former glory. And that's what some of the remnant people are talking. And as they talk, what are they doing? They're influencing, because they're elders, they're influencing the hearts of the other people. And they're saying, well, yeah, what are we doing this for? And so they're like a work slowdown. And the Lord wants to address this. Now, remember, this is like the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacle. That's really important. Their minds have been there. All right. Verse 3. He's going to ask, the Lord, through the prophet, is going to ask three questions. Three important questions. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? Who of you are left? that saw this house in its, in its former glory, okay? It'd be like me saying to you, uh, who of you are left that, that saw Community Covenant back in the day that everybody talks about, right? The day. And for some people, that's the, those are the good old days. It's different now than it was then, okay? God, the same God still at work, 
doing things maybe differently than before, but it's, it's God's house, he's working. But there'd be some of you that raise your hand and say, yeah, I remember, I remember those days, right? I remember. And that's what the Lord is asking. Who of you remember this house before the exile? Before the exile, before it was destroyed. Then he asks the second question. How does this look to you now? How does it look to you now? Well, some of them are going to say, well, they're being put on the spot, right? The Lord's asking through the prophet. Well, you know, it's okay. It's looking all right. They're not really being honest. So it's going to prompt a third question. It's kind of getting at the real heart of the issue here, the elephant in the room, because God wants to go directly to what the issue is. So here's the third question. Does it not seem like, uh, does it not seem to you like nothing? So how many of you here that can remember, what do you think of it now? And they're kind of like waffling a little bit, right? Well, you know, it's all right. It's better than nothing, you know. I mean, goes. Okay, and then here comes the real question. Does it not seem to you like nothing? He says, I know your hearts. You're looking at this, and, 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 and the reason you're discouraged, and the reason some of you don't want to work on it anymore, it's only been a month since you started, is because this seems like nothing compared to what it was. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. You ever been like that with the Lord? You feel the Lord asking you a question, he's prompting your spirit, and you kind of, you want to tell the Lord what you think he wants to hear, not what you're really feeling. Isn't that kind of crazy? Because the Lord really knows what you think. But as people, we do that, and this is what these people were doing. Now, look at how the Lord responds. He says, but now be strong, Zerubbabel. Right? the civic authority, the leader, the one in the line of David. Joshua, the high priest, right? Be strong, Joshua, the high priest. So he's addressing Zerubbabel, he's addressing Joshua, and now he's going to address the remnant. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. Be strong and work. For I am with you. I mean, that is the most important thing they could have heard. I am with you. I am with you. And in case you have forgotten, rather than looking back and lamenting what was but what isn't now, he says, I'm going to take you back, not to lament, but to remind you of who I am. I'm going to go back so that your future can be hopeful. You see, you're going back, and, 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 and you're looking at it like the good old days. Like days that are gone and will never return. But that's not the proper perspective. 
Don't look at the rubble. Don't look at the work ahead of you. Don't fear the provinces around you. And don't lament what was in the former time. Instead, look back and remember who I am and what I'm capable of doing. Don't be discouraged be encouraged. Now, how is he going to do that? Remember, it's the last day, the Feast of the Tabernacles. The people, their minds are fresh, thinking about what? How God was present and he provided through the 40 years in the wilderness. Okay? So this is what he does. This is such good stuff because the Lord wants to encourage their heart. He's going to work from the inside out. He doesn't work from the outside in. He doesn't say, get to work, people. He wants to address the matter of the heart first so that the work comes from the proper heart and proper attitude, right? The inside out, not the outside in. Watch this. This is so good. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt right? They just got done celebrating that, didn't they? It's fresh on their minds. The Lord's going to say, I'm going to take you back so that you can look what's waiting in the future, not lament what is right now. Now look at this. Check this out. He says, when you came out of Egypt, look at Exodus 34.10. This is Exodus 34.10, and this is very interesting. Moses goes up to the mountain, right? And he's getting instructions from the Lord about the building of the tabernacle. But in the midst of that, there is the golden calf idolatry, which interrupts all of that. So in the middle of the instructions the Lord was giving to Moses about the building of the tabernacle, the people, without Moses, rebel and they start worshiping the golden calf. Moses has to come down from the mountain to address the people, to deal with the rebellion. Okay? They're not doing what they should be. After all of that, Moses intercedes for the people and kind of pleads on their behalf. Lord, don't destroy them. What would the Egyptians think? You brought them out of captivity just to destroy them. That wouldn't look good. Don't do that, God. God says this. He says, then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you. Before all your people, I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Right? Remember, top line blessing? They're going to be blessed by the Lord. He's going to do awesome work for them. The bottom line blessing is all the nations on the earth will see who God is, and he'll be lifted up and glorified. Okay? That was the promise he, he made them in the Sinai Desert, in the, amidst the, the wilderness wandering. So he's reminding them of what they've just celebrated. Now, check this out. Continuing in verse 5. And my spirit remains among you. So he's saying, be strong, be strong, be strong. I am with you. This is what... This is the covenant I made with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Now, check this out. Do not fear. Do not fear. 
Can you imagine the Lord saying, be, be strong. Be strong. Be strong. I am with you. I've made a promise that I'm going to keep. My spirit is with you. Do not fear. Man, that is exactly what these people needed. Now, Nehemiah 9, 19 through 21. Nehemiah, looking back, encouraging the people. This is actually in the future from what we're talking about now. But Nehemiah, he's going to remind the people of something similar. And he says this. Speaking of the Lord, you did not hold, withhold manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. Okay? God is, is reminding them of what happened in the past. And he takes their minds off of the fear of the promises that surround them and off of their lament that what they see in front of them can never match what it was. And instead, he takes and he focuses them on himself. This passage is really about God, not the people. Because the people need to be reminded that the God of the past who did mighty miracles, who was with them, who provided for them, is the God who is present now and the God who is going to be present in the future. And God is saying, listen, you think that was something. You haven't seen anything yet. Right? There's an expression. Those who think the best days are behind them have already started to die. And the Lord is saying, I did not lead you out of exile and brought you back here providentially through the Persian nation to reestablish Jerusalem and the temple. I didn't do that for you to lament. I did that because I'm giving you a future. I'm fulfilling the promises I made to your forefathers. Don't lament. Instead, live with expectation, for I'm the same God. I'm with you. My spirit is dwelling among you. Okay? Then we get to verse 6. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake the nations. I'm going to stop right there. Right? In a little while. Now, remember, their mind is focused on the Feast of the Tabernacles. What happened at the foot of Mount Sinai? Do you remember? Well, let me remind you. Exodus 19, 17 through 18. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. Okay? Again, he's, remember who I am? Remember my power? Remember what I did? I'm the same God. And in case you've forgotten, I once more, right? In a little while, I once more 
will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and what is desired by all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory. Now, this is what's called an interpretive challenge. Scholars are divided on how to understand this. Okay? Many scholars understand this passage first and foremost as a prophecy pointing to the return of the Messiah when he establishes the reign and rule that, that Luke speaks of. Well, he'll sit on David's throne and his kingdom will have no end and he'll rule forever and ever. And where it talks about the desire of all nations, those of you that have been around a while remember the old hymnal, there was a song, Jesus Christ, the desired of all nations, come, right? Remember that song? That's based on this interpretation that, that I'm sharing with you. That it's really pointing to a future time when the glory is going to be, the glory of this place is going to be filled when the Messiah comes and sits on his throne forever and ever and ever. Right? And he's going to shake the nations. There's going to be judgment. And the only kingdom that will remain is his kingdom. Some interpret it that way. In fact, the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26, this is the only place, Hebrews 12, 26, where this verse, or Haggai, is quoted in the whole New Testament. Okay? And the author of Hebrews quotes this part of the passage. And he quotes it to a group of Jewish converts to Christianity saying, don't turn back, don't go back, don't go back to the former, because what's coming is greater than what was. Remain faithful to Christ, because the Lord is going to come, and he's going to shake the nations. And in the end, all that will, that will remain will be his kingdom that will be established. He'll sit on the throne of David forever and ever. Don't forget that. He's going to judge. And all that's going to be left is his kingdom. That's how the author of Hebrews interprets and uses this, right? But let me show you a second way of understanding this passage that some would point to it saying that's, this is valid too. That the people are lamenting because they don't have the resources to build a temple that will even approach the beauty of Solomon's temple. They're lamenting that. And so the Lord reminds them, hey, listen, I'm the God that enabled Solomon to build the temple in the first place. And not only that, I'm the same God that is with you now. And essentially what he's going to say is, I'm going to shake the nations, and out of those nations you're going to have the resources you need to fill this house with glory that will exceed its former glory. Okay? And so he moves into the next verse, which says, verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. So those who would interpret it this way would say, listen, what the Lord is saying is, I'm going to shake the nations. I'm the sovereign God. And through the nations, all the silver and gold is mine, and I'm going to shake it loose, and it's going to be used to rebuild this place so that its glory will exceed what it was formerly. Okay? 
and the desire of all nations is the wealth and the material prosperity that all nations desire. That's how some people interpret this. Now, check this out. Ezra, chapter 6, verses 7 through 8, and verse 14. Let me read this to you. Basically, what's happening is there's a decree from King Darius, who at this point is the king of the Persian Empire, and he's telling the, the governors and the civil authorities and the officials of the surrounding provinces, don't mess with what I'm going to do and what's going on in Israel. Don't interfere with it, or in Judah, okay, in Jerusalem. Don't interfere with it. Don't mess with them. Check this out. Do not interfere with the work on this temple of God. Let the governors of the Jews and the Jewish elders rebuild this house of God on its site. Now let's look at verse 14. So the elders and the Jews continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai and the prophet Zechariah. They finished building the temple according to the command of God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and Xerxes, king of Persia. And then if you were to read on from there, it would talk about how all the gold and all the silver and all the treasures that had been taken in the Babylonian conquest and then in the Persian conquest, that that was going to be used and authorized to be used to rebuild the temple. You see that? So that's, that's the other. Or could it be both? But that's what's called an interpretive challenge. Okay? That's what you wrestle with when you look at this stuff. All right, let's read on. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. The focus here isn't on the house because the Jews all saw it as the same house, right? You're just rebuilding on what was. It's, it's a continuation. So in the English, we lose a translation. It looks like the focus is on this house is better than that house or will be. What it's really saying is, is it's the same house it's just that the glory is going to be greater, all right? And then finally, he says, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty, and I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And of course, what is the, the name of Jerusalem? It is the city of what? Shalom, or the city of peace, okay? So, I mean, it's complicated, it's, but here's the deal, okay? No matter where you are in your life, as a follower of Jesus Christ, God wants you to know something. God wants you to know, number one, be strong. Number two, I am with you. Number three, my spirit in this case, isn't among you, it's in you, right? Because in the Old Testament times, the Spirit of God came and dwelt among the people, often on the leaders, but not in them. And the Lord says, hey, if you look back, look back, but look back remembering me. And you as a follower of Jesus need to be reminded of this, that, that hey, as good as you think your former days were the days that are to come are going to be even greater, right? Even greater. 
For the man or woman who is a follower of Christ, we must never look back and say, the best days are behind us. We must look back and say, the God of my former days is the God of today, and he's the God who will establish me in eternity forever and ever. The best days for us are ahead. And like the children of Israel coming out of captivity in, in, in Egypt, and like the exiles returning to Jerusalem, we too are coming out of the captivity of sin. And we're exiles in this world right now, in this time, in the latter days of, of, of the redemptive time, awaiting the full restoration. We are exiles. And there are times when we feel all alone. And there are times we feel threatened by those around us that may be threatened by us. There are times when we look and we say, God, what is going on? Whatever happened to the good old days? And the Lord says, Fear not, I'm with you. My spirit is in you. Look what Jesus says in, in John chapter 14. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And what he's saying is, I'm going to the Father. The Holy Spirit is going to come and indwell your life. Now, what are these greater works? They aren't necessarily works of power like Jesus raised the dead, but the extension and the furthering of his kingdom. Look at what's happened as he's ministered through the body of the Christ since his ascension. Look at how much greater the, the expanse and the, and the influence of the gospel is. That's what he's referring to. Now, how does that happen? Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. You were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Check this out. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing. Did I say guaranteeing? Right? The Federal Reserve can't make a guarantee like this. Right? Guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise and glory of God. Okay? You know what that's saying? The best days aren't the former days. The best is yet to come. We're his people. He's filled us with his spirit. We've been sealed. We've been guaranteed an inheritance. And he's working through us through the power of his spirit and advancing the gospel even further than it was in Jesus' day. That's good stuff. And then finally, I love this, and I want to close the sermon with this. Okay. This comes from Ephesians 3, 19 and 20, I believe. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever and ever and ever and his kingdom shall have no end. Amen.